All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas. I'm the host of the show. And today we got Matt Wepner joining us from Schedule Engine. Matt, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Eric? Glad to uh, be here. I'm doing great. Super excited. Um, thank you all again for tuning in. We're going to be talking about capacity planning this week, uh, which is something that is crucial, especially when we're talking about what jobs do I take, um, especially for high value jobs versus low value jobs, um, et cetera. And we've brought Matt on to, to really chat about this. So let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you all for everyone tuning in live. Hello out there. How are you doing? We're just live on YouTube right now, Matt. Don't worry. There's not going to be a ton of people. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Super excited to be back in the action. Uh, been a busy week for us. Uh, we just got back from Tampa Bay for uh, Service World Expo, which was a great event. Uh, the folks at Service Nation uh, knocked it out of the park. So if you were at the show and we connected, um, let's let's keep the conversation going. Would love to keep chatting with you all about your goals for next year, how we might be able to help. Um, and, and as always, I hope everyone is uh, just taking away action from these events, not just going home and doing nothing. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'll give you the uh, kind of interviewee elevator pitch from here. There we go. <laughs> so I actually, ironically, my dad had worked in HVAC growing up. I'm not going to lie and say I did. I went out a couple summers and quickly saw the tech route was for me and that I wasn't built like him. <laughs> but uh, I started at UPS. I worked there for about 10 years in like package centers, made my way over to tech about seven years ago. Um, I worked at Uber in their like early phases. And then I've been at Schedule Engine slash Service Titan now for about 1.5 years. I am their enablement manager, which is probably not a term most people know, but the guy who makes the uh, ways of working and I kind of identify like process and knowledge gaps and create training. And then sometimes I deliver the training too. Nice. What did you do at, uh, at Uber? Yeah. So I, I had started as a CSR. Didn't even think the company was going anywhere. If I'm being honest, it was like super early stage 2015 started blowing up just like wildfire. I mm -hmm. moved into learning and development there and then I had managed CSRs for a bit. And then, uh, found my way over to schedule engine. Nice. Dur during your time at Uber, uh, what was some of the, like, I guess the key moments that like, like learning moments for you and how did you take that and, and bring that with you over into the trades? Yeah, I think it was just, it was more startup moments of like working in the wild west per se. Um, just needing to operationalize things quickly and there not being like a template or, you know, a rule book or Bible of ways of working and things to do. And you just had to kind of get up and running very fast and wear many hats. And I think that really helped me at schedule engine. Yeah. Was schedule engine in a similar phase, like kind of startup growth mode when you got there? 
Yeah, I think that's kind of what drew me in. I, I was like craving that again. And Uber had grown to this like big Amazon sized company. And I, I wanted to be back in that kind of grassroots startup yeah. mode. But yeah, it was very similar when I started. So <clears throat> you all recently uh, got acquired or partnered up with uh, with Service Titan, which is not, I would say is probably, if, if I had to take a guess, I'd say it's probably not in startup mode anymore. Uh, yeah. What's been some of your like initial takeaways from that experience? Yeah, no, I mean, it was funny. As I joined like Schedule Engine, I quickly got to know Service Titan. I didn't come from the home industries other than, you know, my dad. Um, they were like the Uber to me of like the home industries, like this huge company and like kind of the pipe dream we joked about, like, oh, we'll get acquired by them one day. And then like it happened. So <laughs> it's been an awesome experience. I will say internally, like it's still, it feels like the cool startup vibe. Um, a lot of smart people working there and they don't put a lot of roadblocks so you can kind of collaborate and get things going quickly. Yeah. I feel like there are a lot more like technology companies now in this industry. They're kind of like starting up just because they're over the past few years, there's really been an opportunity to like really, I guess, um, make this industry a little bit more sophisticated with technology where in the past it always been like just pen and paper, for your, you know, your FSM or just call the office and we'll send the technician out type of deal. Um, so when we're talking about like capacity planning, like let's just, let's dive into that for a second. Like what are some of the challenges that you all see contractors facing when it comes to like planning their schedules and, and capacity planning and, and scheduling for high value jobs? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it, it really depends on like the size of their business and what, tech tools i'll say they're using so like are they using an fms fsm are they using any type of online booking at all i'd say if they're not there's a lot more challenges just because they don't have the data to kind of make the decisions to choose which way they want to be scheduling um i personally think there's like two schools of thought on it you know you can dispatch for profit or you can dispatch for efficiency and i'll i'll say there's not one right answer again it's, it's dependent on how big your business is and what tools you have but if you're choosing profit, you're really just like prioritizing jobs based on just profit, how much you think you're going to make on each job. You're not really looking at like route optimization. Whereas on the other side of the coin, if you're doing efficiency, it's the exact opposite. You are focused on route optimization. Like is job A closer to job B? Not that you're ignoring profit, but that's your main focus. I think the best thing is to find a sweet spot in the middle where you're kind of doing a 60-40 relationship between the two. And that's kind of where these tools come in, like help you make those data-driven decisions. Did I lose you? Uh, I'm having some, I'm having some internet issues on my end, but I think you're still good. Okay. Sorry, my roundabout way of answering that. I think <laughs> there's yeah, a lot no. of challenges. Yeah, it's, a, it's very dependent on how you're operating the business, basically. Well, and a lot of this goes back to like the seasonality of a business like this, right? Because you get like, you get the if you're in a four season market, you're probably, you're dealing with busy winter, busy summer, not so busy spring and fall. Um, obviously those that are in, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, Vegas, they, they have different challenges when it comes to capacity planning because it's hot all year. Florida is no different. Um, but it, there's gotta be a, a plan in place, I believe for scheduling your technicians because you want to keep them busy for sure. So you definitely want to take as many jobs as you can and make sure your board's full. Uh, but if you fill yourself up, 
and then a big job comes in and you're not able to get to them, well, then you might lose that job to another contractor. So how would you, how would you recommend like during a slow period of time, like when it's not super hot out, not super cold out, how would you recommend contractors kind of organize and plan their scheduling um, to make sure that they're taking those profitable jobs over something that may just be um, a foot in the door type of uh, job? Yeah, I'll say this is where that tech innovation comes in, and it's important to have some type of FMS or FSM. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm going to say service site because I work there. I think it's a great product, but I think just having any of those, I view all of it as data points. So, like, let's say your tech's time cards live in one program, and you know their routes live in another, and the actual jobs and leads live in another. It's going to be very hard to cross-reference those data points to actually make these decisions and see what's working and like what's profitable, what routes are optimized. I think if you have those all living in the same program, it's very easy to run a report and say, we should run this job type right now because we're slow or we should run this job type. Yeah. And so do you, do you believe that that goes back to just like knowing your numbers and like knowing what you can take and what you can't take? Yeah. And I think if like, if you don't have the tech program, it's kind of the throwing the spaghetti at the wall and you see what sticks. There just might be a lot of spaghetti all over the wall when you're done if you don't have one of those programs, but it can oh, yeah. be <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's talk about uh, when it, like scheduling. Uh, I know we talk about scheduling a lot on the show because we run advertising for, for contractors. Uh, so we're always trying to find like the most efficient way to get the customer from visiting a website to booked for service. Um, let's talk about the differences between like an online scheduler, uh, like, like schedule engine or uh, service Titans web scheduler uh, versus just like contact forms. Like how do you, how would you recommend going about like optimizing both, uh, you know, to make sure that your, uh, your capacity is still there, especially with, you know, an online tool where um, the customer gets to pick when they're scheduled. Yeah, I'll say it is a little easier if you have some form of online booking tool. And again, I'll, I'll recommend Schedule Engine because I work there and I think it's the optimal tool. But if you don't have one like that, like any tool you have, you can choose what jobs are going to be offered and when because it is usually one the one tied to like your live schedule. Mm -hmm. If you're using like a lead kind of form, it gets a little more difficult. Like you would have to maintain that all the time and be going up there and saying, hey, let's take this job down or let's make this job two months out or whatever it may be. So you're just mm -hmm. going to have to have a point of contact person like managing that. Um, to answer your question though, I think it's just, again, referring to the data and like seeing which jobs you really want to be offering during those times, but it comes back to having those data points that you can refer to. Yeah. So are you able to like optimize within service Titan uh, or within like schedule engine to say like, this type of job we don't want for the next two weeks. Like if someone, like if it's a, if it's like a busy, busy period of time, like phones are ringing off the hook for no cool, no heat. Um, you could go in there and say like, I don't want a duck cleaning job for the next six weeks. Don't let them book it unless it's six weeks away from today. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head. Like that is a feature they do with both of those where you can go on a dashboard and be like, Hey, this is kind of a lower value job let's push it out X amount of weeks or months and let's take these jobs instead. It's also looking at the calendar. So like it can see inside service Titan to say, okay, this is what's available. And then it's going to take those buffers and blockers into account. Yeah. So how does a contractor um, <clears throat> go up? I mean, this might just be 
uh, I don't even know. This might be a question for their uh, their success manager at either schedule engine or service Titan. How do they go about like setting that up? Do you know? Is that pretty easy? Yeah, no, I mean, it, usually get the CSM involved. They're the best. They'll like get on a call and can help you. Or we have support articles on both sides. They usually explain how to use this like self-serve dashboard. It's at a point where the UI is really nice. We're like, it's pretty dumbed down, very easy to just click through and figure it out. And most of the time you're not gonna break anything. You can just click around in there, but you can drag a CSM into there and they usually be happy to help. Yeah. So I know I know we could sit here and uh, chat about, about uh, Service Titan all day how great they are and whatnot. Uh, but what about those that are not on service Titan? Like what about the, the house call pro folks in the world and the, I don't know, uh, service fusion people of the world. What does this look like for them? Do you know? Like if they're using like a schedule engine product? Yeah. If, if, if they are, or even if they're not like, what does capacity planning look like for them from your experience? Yeah, I'll say they don't have the same, like service site is very robust where it has like, I like to say QuickBooks is built in and then like you can have inventory built in. So all those data points live in there. Mm -hmm. Whereas those are truly just like an FMS, FSM, where it's just really your text, maybe their time cards and like what the calendar looks like. I will say when they're using like online scheduling tools, a lot of them don't integrate. So if they're going to offer something online, it's like a form fill plus one. So like it is presenting a calendar no matter what company they're using. Yeah, have to be reading like what the calendar internally says. So they're going to still have to do that manual of like offer this job X amount of days out. Um, it does get a little more difficult to manage. I won't say you can't do it, but it's just a lot more. You're going to need somebody dedicated to it, I think, on your side to like actually manage it weekly and daily. Whereas the other one you kind of just set and forget per se. Yeah. And you, you mentioned earlier about dispatch, uh, dispatching for profit and then dispatching for efficiency. Um, now, obviously, like the the computer element of it, you know, being able to schedule yourself from your phone or your computer uh, is great and all. Uh, what should our like our CSR and dispatch friends know? Like when when they get a call, like a call into the office from a customer, and they're trying to like dispatch for profit and efficiency. What does that look like? Yeah, it's going to go back to like, what's their bandwidth and like size of the company. And sometimes it's just not an option to choose one of those two, like as much as you want to. I think bigger companies do have the luxury of saying, I'm going to do this one versus the other. Also, it's like, are they using an FSM? And if they are, what features does it have? Like, again, service site is an example. They have a heat map. So you can see like what people are spending in certain areas, how far mm -hmm. someone is from the home base, like job A to job B, it makes it a lot easier to figure out the efficiency part. Same thing with profitability. Like if all your parts and invoices and things live inside your FSM, very easy to see what's working versus what's not. Otherwise it's back to the, you know, spaghetti at the wall technique to just test certain things and see what's working well for your business. Yeah. So this is like probably the, uh, the million dollar question that <clears throat> I I don't know if anyone has the right answer or not for it. Um, what do you think the future of the home services industry looks like from like a technology and a service standpoint? Yeah, I, I'll use like Uber as a comparison. I think it's a positive tech disruption where like calling a car is nothing new, right? Like people were probably calling horse carriages. <laughs> so like that was not the new idea. It was just more like, 
the ability to have it all in one place mm-hmm. in an app and making it easier. Like I think convenience is always king. I think that's kind of where home industries is headed. Same thing happened with freight, like Uber stepped into the freight realm and they were using paperwork and faxing things. It's not like what Uber was doing was so new or great. It's just more like they just made it very convenient for all users. Um, a saying that's kind of stuck with me is like, why are you able to track a pizza, but you can't track your, you know, multiple thousand dollar home service job. I think that kind of shines light on like how kind of old and archaic some of the systems are. And I think it's a positive tech disruption. It's not like it's making them more money on both sides. It's helping the customer. I think the future is going to look like there's going to be more service titans of the world, more schedule engines of the world. Online booking will just be a thing for every contractor. Yeah. You know what? I got my system replaced at my house back in February of gosh, 2021. And I was thinking at that time, I was like, you know, when you order from Domino's, it'll like you get done ordering, you tell them what you want. Obviously they upsell you on Sprite and they upsell you on the lava cakes uh, and they upsell you on extra packets of marinara sauce. Um, But then once that's all said and done, um, you can sit there and see, um, all right, your order has been, you know, taken in. Bobby is preparing your pizza now. And then you check back like 10 minutes later and it's like, Bobby has put the sauce on your pizza. It's now going in the oven. It's like your pizza is baking. And then it's like, all right, your pizza is being quality checked or whatever. And then it's like, all right, Bobby's driving to your house now. Um, I was sitting there thinking like, man, I wish that they had a way where as a homeowner, I could like see on an app and be like, how, how close are they to being done? Cause it'd be like, it was like six 30 at night and they were still in my attic and they were still outside, like, you know, ripping stuff out and putting stuff in. And I was like, how close are they to being done? Like they only know. And I don't. And uh, I thought that would be really cool. And I'm sure there's going to be a way to do that. Like based on like a checklist, like obviously there's a checklist when you install a system or repair a system. Um, so I wonder if they, that'll ever be the case. Do you think that that is something that would be included in like one of those apps like that? Yeah, Service Titan's kind of moving towards that. Not the progress of like the job, but like having things like your inventory can exist in Service Titan. And then let's say the tech goes out, they have the inventory in an iPad or like some tablet. They can show people like pictures with parts and prices. And that's kind of where the, the upsell element come come into it. Um, to go back to data and not to like beat a dead horse, but Domino's, you know, is probably knowing like on the back end, like, Hey, when we offered Eric a pepperoni pizza, he's more likely to go for the lava cake. And then like, they're using those data insights to help with upsells. And I think the same can be said for like HVAC plumbing, any trades, you can use those data insights. And I think in the future, it's just going to be built in to where you don't have to be some data scientist. You'll just have reporting and you can tell what's working and what's not working. Just taking the guesswork out basically. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, but like with, with all the data, like we, we call it analysis paralysis here where we get to a point where we're looking at too many numbers and we're looking at too many reports and we're looking at too many charts. Um, and then we have all this information and then we just like, we're like, ah, what, uh, what do we do with it? You're just like, cool. We, we got these numbers. What does it mean? Um, how does how do how do contractors like in your opinion how can they just like be able to decipher and pick through the information that's important versus the the information that's not important when it comes to like reading through those those data points for uh, capacity planning scheduling etc. 
Yeah, I mean, that's why I recommend if you don't have an FSM or FMS, definitely get one. They have pre-built-in reporting. Same thing with like Schedule Engines tools or most booking tools. They have pre-built-in reporting to where it's only going to offer data points that they have proven internally that work well and like are worth looking at. Because like you said, sometimes you're looking at data for no reason. You're like, I don't need to know about this thing. Um, if you don't have that, it's going to help to have someone internally that's hacky for lack of better words there that can, you know, play with Google Sheets and Excel and actually extrapolate like what they need to look at because mm -hmm. you can get that paralysis for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it's just too much. Yeah, it, it can it can be really, really too much. Um, and kind of I, I think this this all goes back to um, something that we've been chatting about a lot with contractors lately um, about. And this is something Tommy Mello even said on the podcast last week or the week, the week before, maybe um, a lot of contractors say, I, I can't find technicians right now. I can't find technicians right now. I can't find technicians. Um, but the reality is there, you can find technicians, but you're not, you're not charging appropriately. You're not an efficient enough of a company to be able to charge what you need to run a, you know, a profitable organization. And thus you cannot pay people, what they need in order to actually want to work for you. Um, and the solution for that, instead of, you know, a lot, a lot of people like to just think I can't take any more leads right now because I'm already busy as it is. Uh, but the reality is like you're busy, but you're not profitable because you're running a bunch of $79 calls. So you're, you're barely breaking even if, if breaking even at all. Um, so it comes down to, well, if you want to be more profitable, you either need to one get smarter about your scheduling, or you know, and, and become more efficient, or raise your prices, or get more leads coming in the door. Like I think a lot of people, when they get busy, they immediately want to shut down to like, I can't take any more leads right now. I can't take any more jobs right now. Uh, but like the reality of it is, is like. No, you, you can take more leads because if you get more leads and you get more opportunities, then you can take the jobs you don't want and send them off six months or six weeks away and take right. the, the high value jobs right now versus just taking whatever you can get and being busy. Yeah, like someone's checkup, that, that could wait a few weeks, whereas you know, someone's HVAC exploded or plumbing, they kind of need service now and it's going to be way more valuable of a job. Yeah, and that's where there's been... There's been a lot of, like, I would say, I wouldn't say arguments, but there's definitely been a lot of discussion about this online lately about like, um, like maintenance memberships and like if they are still important or not, because this time of year, everyone's like, oh, you got to get your maintenance in. But if you fill yourself up on maintenance calls, then you can't take any demand calls at all you can't take like those, those water heater popping or whatever in the middle of the night yeah. uh, type of jobs. So I think it is really important to have data that you can leverage, obviously, um, have the capacity to take those demand calls or those one-off estimates as they come in. Um, but then also just to get smart about how you go to business with this all. Uh, Cause so many people just like to shut down and say, I'm busy. I can't do anything else. And they really can. They just, they have a lead problem. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think no one's too busy to, to take jobs. I, I think like you said, this is moving things around, reprioritizing. Mm -hmm. To your other point, like, I think a lot of clients we've worked with don't have any kind of after hour service and they, they leave a lot on the table with that. Cause like, 
the memberships are good for retention, but like if you want to get new customers, when that thing blows up or they need service immediately, they're just going to go with the guy who's available at that time. And that yeah. might be who they stay with moving forward, but it's like, you got to be available during those 24 hours. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I hear so many contractors that are saying like, um, we need to stop our, we need to pause our ads, like run the schedule from like 8 AM to 5 PM. Cause that's when our office is open. And I'm like, Hey, where am I right now? <laughs> do, do, I look right. Like, do I look like I'm in my house? Cause I'm going to be here till 5 PM. So we're both going to be heading home at the same time. And when I get home and my heater's not working, I'm calling the first person that can show up. Yeah. And even if you have one you love, like, you need your heat to work at that moment. So you're like, well, I'll try this guy. And then all of a sudden they just yeah. lost the customer. Yeah. Well, I think that there's like, that's another thing that kind of goes back to this conversation about like maintenance and service agreements and stuff is that like, um, it, it's just not the way it used to be with like homeowners. Cause like, you know, homeowners used to be like, Oh, I got a guy for that. That's like, I got to call Matt. He's my HVAC guy. But like, most homeowners these days, like you, there's not as much brand loyalty as there used to be where they're still going to go online. Even if Matt installed the system six years ago, they're probably still going to go on Google and, and search um, AC repair near me or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then um, they're just going to go with whoever can get there first, whether that's you or not. I think it's a generational thing too. I'll blame both of our generations. <laughs> I, I think it's just, there's not a lot of brand loyalty, even with like tech apps, like the Uber example, people are going to use Lyft too. Like they're just going to find what's convenient and available at that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we, you see this everywhere, even like you go to a restaurant and you say, can I get a Coke? And they're like, Oh, is Pepsi? Okay. I don't get up and leave the right. restaurant because they don't have Coke. I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll take yeah. that as well. I'm not going to be like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm yeah. out. Uh, I only I'm drink storming coke. right out when they don't have coke. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. So, so Matt, is there anything that we've uh, that we haven't covered yet that you wanted to, um, to to chat about before we start wrapping up? No, just to go back to 24 hour thing. Obviously, I recommend scheduling. If you're not using that, I'd say use some type of 24 hour chat, even if it's robo chat, or if you're going to have calls, do call forwarding. I understand like not all business sizes can support having some on staff 24 hour, but I think you just leave a lot of jobs on the table. If you're not available, that one job you miss at night could be more than the whole day of jobs. So mm-hmm. that's my final two cents, I think. No. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. And um, even like, even if you don't, like I, I hate to recommend this probably just because I'm a marketing guy. Um, you're like, like for demand calls, like contractors are always saying, I want more demand calls. Like I want more, I don't, I don't want these maintenance calls. I don't want these duck cleaning. Like I want people to call me when their furnace breaks. Well, their furnace isn't going to break. I mean, it might break at, at 2 PM, uh, but the homeowner's not going to know about it until later. And so like, please just like still don't just turn your ads off because there's no one in the office to take that phone call. I know that that'll probably get some, some blowback. Um, but what you can do in Google ads is like, you can set your, you can have different campaigns. So you can have like click to call campaigns and pause those. Cause like, you don't, you don't want them to convert on a click to call campaign. Um, but you can make sure that like your, uh, your after hours campaign goes to some form of landing page that can capture their information. Even if it's not a phone call, even if they go to a landing page and it's just a contact form or a scheduling tool. 
because um, you, like you said, there's just so much opportunity to be made there. And I think a lot of people just want to shut it off when they go home for the day and they're just missing out on all those new customers. Yeah. And I mean, even those checkups too, that's, it's like with a car, it's a high opportunity for another sale. Like they don't know mm-hmm. something could be a ticking time bomb about to break and then that's your foot in the door. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, everyone that's listening right now, uh, thank you for tuning in uh, for another episode. I'm going to be at the uh, Women in HVACR conference next week, believe it or not. So I'm excited about it. I'll be there recording podcasts live. It'll be my first time ever doing this. I've never recorded live. Um, I went out and bought all the equipment that I need for this. So if you're listening to this and you'll be there, please come record a podcast with me um, because I need to be able to justify (laughs) paying for all this equipment. Um, But yeah, super excited about it. Um, Matt, for those listening right now that may want to get a hold of you uh, or learn more about uh, what scheduling you might be able to do for them or even service site for that matter, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very responsive on there. Just shoot me a DM. Name is just set, like it says on the screen there. It probably comes up as Matthew Wefner, but uh, looking forward to chatting with some people. Nice. Before we go, is that a uh, is that a cat in the background? It is. Oh, yeah. You see the other one's hidden somewhere, but yeah. The other one's kind of blinding light above him. Uh-oh. We woke up the cat. Oh, yeah. She's repositioning here. <laughs> I love it. Well, Matt, this has been this has been awesome. I've really appreciated uh, your time. I appreciate your your expertise and your knowledge around the uh, the topic of capacity planning, scheduling, data, all that good stuff. Uh, thank you again so much for joining me. Appreciate it, Eric. It was a joy. Awesome. All right, I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services. Contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com.